Well, I am glad. Are you guys going to watch it tomorrow? Yes. Oh, great. Great. I had to. I have been spending this entire recording talking myself out of just watching it right now. I mean, what time do you have to be up in the morning? Like, it's only 9, 10. Like... I know, but it's like a two-hour movie, and I have to wake up at 7. Oh, gross. Okay. <laughs> You're listening to Love Ya, your guided tour through the wide and wonderful world of streaming rom-coms and teen cinema. I am one of your co-hosts, Martha Sullivan, library manager and YA lit enjoyer. And I am here, as always, with my co-host. I'm Marin Hagman, adult services librarian and rom-com enthusiast. And we are here to discuss the 2020... Is this a Netflix original? I believe, I believe it is. So, yes. Uh, Netflix original film, Love Wedding Repeat. Uh, putting a spoiler warning here at the top for this movie. If you are interested in watching it spoiler free, uh, go check that out on Netflix. Uh, it's been out for about a year, so I'm not super worried about spoilers, but it'll take you about an hour and 40. And we will be here when you come back. All right, so Love Wedding Repeat, directed and written by Dean Craig, uh, based on a motion picture called Plan de Table, which is French, maybe? I believe so. Okay, um, so based on a French film, starring Sam Claflin as Jack, Olivia Munn as Dina, Frida Pinto as Amanda, Eleanor Tomlinson as Haley. Joel Fry as Brian, Jack Farthing as Mark, Tim Key as Sydney, Alan Mustafa as Chaz, Ashling B as Rebecca, and where's the last one that I cared about? Uh, Frida Pinto. I said Frida Pinto. Oh, you did! Oh my gosh, I'm yeah. so sorry. Oh, um, I skipped right over. I was looking for I was looking for Joel Fry, but I got him too. Okay. Um. So, Love Wedding Repeat is the story of Jack. Uh, and his sister Haley, who is getting married uh, at at Haley's wedding. Uh, Dina is one of her guests, is a friend from college who Jack met a long time ago, had a kind of whirlwind long weekend in Italy with, and never quite worked up the nerve to tell her how he felt about her, uh, and is now meeting her for the first time in uh, several years at this wedding. Uh, the first half of this movie unfolds uh, with sort of wedding day hijinks. One of Haley's exes shows up uh, and threatens to um, derail the whole uh, the whole wedding. So she charges Jack with preventing Mark from doing any damage. Uh, the way that he is going to do this is by drugging Mark and making him fall asleep except oh no the champagne glass he puts the drugs in gets switched around um in our first scenario Haley and jack's mutual friend brian receives the uh sleep medication um the conceit of the movie is what would happen if other guests seated at the same table um got the got the hit of sleep medication instead of Mark, how it would play out. Um, 
the Jack's goal is to reconnect with Dina, which he continues to have sort of missed connections with based on who is currently knocked out in this pseudo Groundhog Day scenario. Um, Haley has a secret that does or does not get revealed. Brian has a shot at meeting a director, which does or does not happen. And the whole thing is a how does... How does the misplacement of one glass disrupt the lives of this ensemble cast? And what is the winning combination that allows everybody to get their optimal romance ending uh, at the end of the day? I found the first half of this movie to be almost unwatchable. <laughs> um, I, I truly was... Like, about halfway through this movie, I was like, I can't do this. Every single person in this movie is horrible. None of the comedy is landing for me. Every time anybody says anything, I want to punch them in the mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Luckily, by the time... So the, the first half is sort of the worst case scenario... And then we have a kind of montage of watching other scenarios. And then the second half of the movie is the best, the quote unquote best case scenario. I would argue that it's still, it's still not great, but it at least ends, I think in the happiest way possible for the most number of characters. And the utilitarian. Yeah. Like by the time we got to the back half, I was like, okay, Okay, some of this is working a little bit better for me, but man, Martin, that first half was rough. <laughs> it, it was, and I, I will tell you, I think one thing this movie suffers from is that first half relies so much on cringe humor, um, and I think that it it's almost like a weird encapsulation like it felt like an old school wedding crashers like it really felt like a what what were those dudes called like a frat pack like just hijinks that were uncomfortable um and in fact i would argue the character sydney in the first half of the movie is like directly a ripoff of ricky gervais in the off like the british office yeah, um, Sydney Sydney is the guest who shows up frequently in wedding movies who I'm always like, why do you invite somebody that nobody likes? Right. Um, um he's very awkward, he's bad at social cues, he's bad at conversation. You I, I don't know that we ever directly see him even interact with Haley or Roberto, her husband, so I I, I assume that he is like an old friend of hers or of Jack's from something like he's, he's the guy you've known forever. So you invite out of obligation, even though nobody really likes him. And I'm always kind of like, why would you invite somebody to your wedding that you don't like? Well, and I think what's interesting to me is I, and I'm guessing this makes more sense in the French version where presumably, I mean, I have not seen the, the French version of this film, but one kind of, what I think ends up being one of the most interesting elements of the film is that Haley is getting married in Italy to an Italian with very few of her actual friends from England. Like, this is like a destination wedding for them. Um, so it's very interesting to me that the people who would come to a destination wedding, and the film does make clear pretty 
early on that, you know, Haley and, oh my gosh, have I really forgotten Sam Claflin's name? This is Jack? Jack. It's Jack. I just think of him as handsome, handsome Sam Claflin. Um, so it's made clear early on in the film that, you know, Haley and Jack are orphans. They really don't have, we never see them talking about extended family. So presumably they don't really have any. Um, and so we're, we're, the presumption is that, you know, these are the people who are going to travel. I mean, admittedly, a flight from the UK to Italy is basically like us flying to Florida. But, you know, these are people. Oh. What's up? Still. like Still. A commitment to have gone to this wedding. Exactly. Like, presumably these are people who, like, when you have a local wedding, you know, the difference between a local wedding and a destination wedding. Like, I feel like there's just some different layers there in guest lists. Um, and so these are the people that are going to go the extra mile, going to go to this destination wedding. And so it's very odd to me that, you know, that table of people are Jack's ex-girlfriend, the guy who's in their friend group that none of them really like, um, Jack's ex-girlfriend's new boyfriend, <laughs> um... The, yeah, and then they're two actual friends. <laughs> um, yeah. Or three, I guess, if you count Dina. Um. So, yeah, the Amanda, played by Frida Pinto, is Jack's ex-girlfriend, who they had a, it, they had a very rough breakup. Um, she clearly still has some emotional hang-ups over their relationship, but... They don't get along and Jack is clearly like why is she here why am I sitting at this table with her they, for a, yeah, for a destination wedding the people who the script has chosen to sort of represent Haley at this wedding are wild right and like we don't like I feel like we need an acknowledgement somewhere in there of like yeah Amanda's your ex-girlfriend but she's my childhood best friend like she's gotta be here sorry man or yeah Sydney is kind of a douche but he also was there for us like after our, pa our parents death or something you know like you need because it is presumed to be that level of closeness of I will get on a plane and to get, you know, these are the core group of people coming to your wedding. You know, when I think about, and I, I'm not meaning this to be like any type of humble brag because the number is very small, but when I think about the small weddings that I have been asked to go to, and again, I'm talking about like maybe one or two here, it's not those, it's not those people. These are people that I'm super close to. I'm very honored to, you know, like... It just is such a bizarre choice. So I think it must make more sense in the context of the French film, because presumably it's just, like, seating chart bullshit and, like, oh, whoops, sorry, the seating chart of this got really messed up. I'm really sorry you have to sit by your ex-girlfriend. Because that feels more authentic to me than... The people who are going to travel to Italy to come to my wedding, the the seven people besides my brother <laughs> are going to be these people. Yeah, and it it was such an odd setup to have this be like an exclusive destination wedding and then have it populated by here are our like wedding comedy 
trope players. Yep. Like all of these people are stereotypes of guests that show up in this kind of movie. So like I was not surprised to see any of them, but the reality index of it was a little bit like, really? Like, I know why we have to have this person, but do we have to have this person? <laughs> well, and especially like Sydney and Amanda struck me as, did you ever see that movie? It came out a few years ago. It's with Anna Kendrick. Um, it's called Table 19. I haven't seen it yet. I would like to. I I enjoyed it more than it is probably worth. Um, and I think partly because it articulates this exact thing so well. Of, like, those people you invite to weddings. Um, yeah, like, those trope guests. Um, and I think it does a really good job breaking down those tropes. And what's interesting is because, and this isn't a spoiler, Anna Kendrick reveals it pretty early on. She is the bride's best friend. She helped plan this wedding until, and it is a spoiler, what caused the... Um, the issues there but she has kind of had the inside scoop and the planning of this wedding and she straight up tells them like you guys were the people we thought would say no like oh no we we why like we literally plan this table as like the people who should know better than to come but see that is an idea that i i hate that because like when when i planned my wedding we only invited people that we wanted to be there. <laughs> so, and I know that this happens. Like, I know that it's a, a thing where, like, you have your obligation invites. I want us culturally to be free of that. Right. <laughs> and I, I will say I was, um, you know, I, I was happily in a similar position of I did not you know, I, I also was able to really only invite, I didn't feel like I had any obligation invites at my wedding. Um, but I think, um, yeah. And, and sorry, the, the thing I really like about table 19 though, is that it, it attacks that trope, but then it also breaks it down. Um, well, and like I, I say that knowing that this is a thing that people do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it is. But I just wish, I wish that we didn't have to. Right. And I, I think you're a thousand percent correct. Um, yeah. Um, so I think, so I think part of, so kind of digging into why the second half of this movie works so much better is I, I think what happens midway through when we go from essentially the worst case scenario to the best case scenario is we get to see these characters stop being these tropes and stop being put in these absurd positions and having the humor come from discomfort. Um, and then the humor in the second half actually gets to come from these characters just being a little quirky as opposed to these characters going through these really cringy things. Um, and I think that I almost want, and I don't know, I'm torn about this. I don't know how you feel about this. I almost wanted more of that middle montage of all the other options. Like, it's I a. What I, what I was expecting based on the description of this was to have like three full acts. Like, right. two, two bad possibilities, and then the third act be the good one. Right. 
Yeah, like we almost don't get enough of the other options so that it, it just makes, we just spend way too much time in that first half with like this yes. worst case scenario that make, that is so uncomfortable. And it's so, I mean, for goodness sakes, it literally ends with Haley's new husband falling off a roof and presumably being terribly injured or dying. Like, I d- we are going to come back to Haley and her husband. Oh, I see. Okay. I think I won the bet with myself. I knew that. I, I think I knew you were going to have strong feelings about that. Um, but yeah, and I had forgotten that like the actual very last shot of that first worst case scenario is him literally falling off a balcony. Falling off the balcony. And like cut to like cut to black and scene. I had completely forgotten that it goes that far. Um So yeah, I think we needed to shorten that up. I think that in that first half we didn't need I honestly I was torn because I feel like, is it Amanda, Frida Pinto's character? Yes. I think they either needed to give her more to do or less to do. I think they put her in this weird middle where we got enough of her character and they spent enough time with her and Chaz that we were supposed to either feel attached to them um, or we needed to spend less time with her and let her just be the trope. Um, because, yeah, so much of that, especially in the first half, I feel like in the second half we actually got to see Chaz kind of come into his own and, like, we got a little more sense of who he was. I never feel like I got a sense of who Amanda was. Um, I don't really think we got a sense of who he is either, other than, like, deeply insecure. But I think we also got the sense that he has decided that he, I felt like he at least got more growth, I should say, because he got to be like, yeah, you don't love me like I deserved. I'm out. Like, bye. Um, And by the end of that, I was very happy for him with that because I feel like she, he at least, like, we got to see him struggle. We got to see what he wanted. We got to see what his goals were. And with Amanda, I never felt like I knew that. I was like, I... I don't know that I could tell you like what what are what are these things that we learned about him because I I don't know that I could tell you anything more about who he is. Oh, see I I could tell you that I think he is someone who really wants to settle down and be loved and um you know, enjoy his suits. You know, like I I got the sense that he um he was ready to grow up, to move to the next step, to get married. Um, and it was clear that Amanda wasn't, and it wasn't clear why. Um, I guess all of those things are true and also don't really tell me anything about who Chaz is. See, I feel like that, I feel like when you tell me what a character wants, that tells me a lot. And I feel like I at least knew what Chaz wanted, and I never knew what Amanda wanted. And maybe I I'm guess. reading too much into it. Like, maybe I'm like, oh, like, this is what you want, so this is the kind of guy you are. But um, that was way more than we got for Amanda. <laughs> yeah, I think both of them still, like, they still kind of exist to be the couple that hates each other. Mm-hmm. 
Like, I, I don't really feel like by the end of the movie they had particularly grown past that, except that they break up in the perfect, in the, in the quote-unquote best ending. Um, which, actually, I, I appreciated because, as you know, I'm always a fan of when people are allowed to be, uh, are allowed to break up and be single and be happy. So, <laughs> I don't know if they, they end up happy, but... Yeah, and I mean, this was definitely a breakup I rooted for, because I was like, yep, this seems about right. Like, Yeah, I'm glad the movie let them separate rather than, like, suddenly all of our differences are reconciled and now right. we're getting married. Like, that would have been bad. Right. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I just, I feel like I got way more characterization out of Chaz and Amanda was just kind of there. Yeah, I don't know. I I didn't feel like I got that much more from Chaz. Um, Fair enough. The character that I truly enjoyed um, from the the first half to the second half was Brian. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Who in the first half is sort of an intolerable, like, self-centered actor type. Um, And by the second half has found romance with Ashling B in a very cute, like she is, she plays. So she's kind of horn dogging after him the whole first half. And by the second half, he's finally like, why do you like me? And she's like, because you're just yourself. Like, I like that you love yourself and are, you know, this kind of over the top, um, over-the-top dude and I just really enjoyed watching both of them because neither of them I don't think either of them really like evolve over the course of the movie but I totally believe why they are into each other by the end and it was a very like I'm glad you found each other (laughs) exactly moment Oh, yeah. I think by far they stole the show. Like, I think they were definitely the ones you were rooting for. And I think that it works so well in terms of, you know, I think, like, that is one special thing about weddings is they they really can be, you know, that place of connection. And and so I think us getting to see, like, oh, yeah, there's this, like, potential here in the first case scenario... Um, but then, like, really getting to see the right circumstances build up for them to to get to have that heart-to-heart and hilariously start making out a whole bunch before he has to give his maid of honor speech. In a super awkward position on a love seat, which I also thoroughly believed. Oh, yeah. Um, so I, I yeah, they're, they definitely had the plot, best plot line. They definitely stole the show. Um... I also, yeah, I really love that uh, Rebecca was allowed to just be a straight-up horn dog like, the yes. first half of the film. <laughs> and the movie didn't make her feel awkward or bad or, like, didn't have any type of, like, purity culture, like, punishment nope. for her. They were just like, yep, this is who she is. <laughs> she wants to get laid at this wedding, and by gosh, she's gonna do it. <laughs> Exactly. And I think even in the montage, one of the scenarios, she ends up hooking up with Jack. Yes. I think there's a brief cut of, of them making out. So, um, um, yeah. Other things I enjoyed about this movie? 
the relationship between Haley and Jack. A plus sibling relationship. Very much enjoyed it. Oh, yeah. I take it from... Oh, I was going to say, I take it from your silence that you disagree? No, no. 100% agree. And I think, actually, it's a good proof point of my main takeaway for this movie. Like, my my headline, the headline that would be there for any review I gave of this movie. I think that this movie is way more charming than it has a right to be, given its script. And I think that is because of how charming some of the actors are. And I think that's mainly, like, Sam Claflin and Eleanor Tomlinson. And, it, and secondarily to Joel Fry and Asling B. But I think that they do such a good job really making you believe that um, sibling relationship. And I say this not just as someone who's a fangirl of both of them, because I am... And I have been, like, Eleanor Tomlinson and I go way back. Like, we go back to, like, the White Queen. Like, I love her. Um, I don't know if I you're look- a Poldark person. Nope. She's in, she's the main character on Poldark. Um, I will tell you my shameful secret. What's that? If you had a gun to my head, I could not pick Sam Claflin out of a lineup. That's fine. He, <laughs> that's fine. He is- I thought he was in this movie i did not know who he was playing until about half an hour into the movie when i looked it up um there is just something about his face that like does not stick in my brain and i think he's just generically attractive white dude um that is somehow super charming and so i think the only i think that makes total sense because he is i wouldn't say he's necessarily a bit of a chameleon Um, but I think that the big things he has been in, his hair has been much longer. Like, he was in the Hunger Games with very long hair. Um, I think... Who did he play in the Hunger Games? Uh, Hugh Spinnick. (gasps) Really? Mm -hmm. See, this is what I'm saying. I, I have, like, no memory for this man's face. And I, every time I see him in something, I enjoy him. Um, but yeah. Uh, we have not yet discussed the person who I think stole this whole movie. Oh, you, d- oh, okay. I thought Olivia Munn was the best part of this movie. Wild. I think she's one of the weakest parts of this movie. Oh my God. Her face. What? Anytime, anytime something shenanigansy was happening on screen, her face was my face. Um, I thought she, I have always thought that she does a really good job at playing the straight man. Like, what is everybody around me doing? You all are ridiculous. I'm going home. And because that attitude matched up with how I felt about the first half of this movie, I was so on board for her. Um, I just I really felt like what this movie needed was a dose of you all need to grow up. What is even happening here? And she was there for me. Huh. See, I feel like, and this is not a critique on her acting. I think she acted it just fine. I think her character was underwritten. Um, And so I guess my my issue is not so much with Olivia Munn's acting as just, like, I think her character is underwritten. Um, I think everyone in this movie is underwritten. I think everybody in this movie is playing a stereotype of some kind. Um. And maybe it's just that I enjoyed her particular stereotype a little bit more than the other <laughs> people. <laughs> See, I just, whenever we got to her, I was a little more just like, oh, okay. Yep. Like you, girl, you need to go therapy. Like, Everyone yep. This movie needs to go to therapy. Um, I don't <laughs> Literally know. Literally everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. 
But I don't know. I did enjoy the scene where she was doing the shots and she was drunk. Yes. I that was great. I I was here for that. But I needed more of that. Um, and I needed. Okay, I guess. All right. So this is why it particular. Okay, I think I'm getting to this. This is why it particularly bothered me that her character was underwritten because if I yes. think if the if the leads of this movie are supposed to be Haley and Jack and Dina, I needed her to have more characterization than. Brian or Rebecca or Sydney. Um, I, I I think that if we really, if she was supposed to be such a big crux of this movie, the writing needed to reflect that. So I think that's particularly why the under the underwrittenness, well, I'm just going to correct that word, the underwrittenness of this character stood out to me. Because I, I agree with you, I think all the characters in this movie are underwritten, but because she was supposed to be such a prime character, it like really stood out to me because I feel like Jack and Haley were given a lot more to do. And if she was supposed to be, you know, his main love interest, I was like, eh, you girl, you need more to do. Like, well, I thought she had, I thought the quality of her material was on par with Haley's storyline. <laughs> See, I didn't think so. I thought Haley was given a lot more to do. What Haley is given to do, listeners. Yeah, here we go. Is uh, act against Mark, her a uh, an a- acquaintance of hers from school, who shows up and is like, Haley and I are meant to be. Um, if you don't let me stay, I'm going to ruin this wedding. And what we find out, listeners, is that Haley and Mark slept together a mere three weeks before. Uh, the reveal of this piece of knowledge is what causes the wedding to break up in the worst case scenario and is what Haley is striving to keep Mark from revealing um, and is never really acknowledged or dealt with in the quote unquote best case scenario ending. This is the knowledge that causes Roberto to storm out and eventually fall off a balcony. And as far as we know, uh, is simply brushed under the rug in Haley's ideal future. Can you guess how I feel about this? <laughs> yep, this is ding, 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 points from our end. This is exactly, I was like, ooh, Martha's going to have a hard time with this one. Um, yeah, it, it, I, you know, I think the movie makes some gestures towards the, towards Haley, like being like, yep, I really fucked up. Um, but yeah, I think that there needs to at least, they needed to give the space of opening for her to be like, oh God, like I'm really going to have to like address this. I think that the movie makes a, makes a case. I don't know how successful it is that Haley really regrets it. She's never going to do it again. So like what good is telling Roberto the truth going to do? I know. I know what good. <laughs> I, well, and again, I, this is the case the movie is making. Um, I don't know how successful it is. Um, no, I mean, I, I, I totally see that Haley is regretful, and I totally understand that it is a mistake. Um, I think that what the movie does is unfair when it basically presents the argument that it, it it would be impossible in the world of this movie for Haley and Roberto to work out that mistake like grownups. Right. So obviously the best thing for Haley to do is just never tell him. 
And that sucks. Yeah. And I think this is where, uh, like, a middle case scenario could come in. Where, like, we don't end up with Roberto falling off a balcony, but maybe we end up with Roberto being like, okay, so we need to put a pause on this wedding and clearly need to talk through some stuff. Um, Also, the best case scenario posits that Mark, who we have seen as a coked up maniac throughout the entire movie, could actually be persuaded by a stoned speech from Jack to not reveal this information and to, in fact, give up his obsession with Haley all in the course of like an hour. And that I also did not believe. I did buy it, and I think that's a credit to, I think actually Jack Farthing does a really good job here. Um, I think he does a lot with his underwritten role. I, I, the reason I bought it is because I think that, um, they give him some time in there to sober up a little bit, so I'm like, oh, okay, like, non-coked up Mark, like, is putting his neurons together. Okay. Okay. I mean, it it is definitely a like super rose-colored glasses, but um I I bought it for the emotional beat. I thought it was lazy. I thought it was a lazy way for the writers to write themselves out of having to deal with this thing that with this wrench that Haley has introduced. Um, I thought it was a cheap trick for them to introduce this big conflict and then basically wipe it away all under the rug. Um, I am not a person who thinks that cheating on your significant other is a complete deal breaker, but I am a person who believes in honesty in an adult relationship. And also that these issues are worth like, talking through and working out, and I wish that the movie had been brave enough to try and do that. Yeah, and I, again, I think that's where a middle-case scenario um, could have spent some time there. Again, I th- I think that the movie has, I think the narrative that it presents in terms of, like, it was a drunken, one-off mistake Haley made, she regrets it, she's never going to do it again. I think they do enough like, lip service there to make me be like, oh, okay, fair enough. But, yeah, it definitely, I think that, yeah, digging into it definitely would have made the movie more interesting. Um, also, I I mean, Roberto is the character in this movie that we see the least of. And, and I'm it, actually okay with that. Because see, I, I just, I thought that what he gets, you just kind of come away feeling like he's this kind of happy idiot. Like, I, I would have enjoyed him actually getting to be a character. That's fair. I, I was okay with it just because I feel like the, like, fish out of water, like, focus of all of these non-Italian people at this Italian wedding, I think structurally it made it make sense that the movie is really focusing on Haley um and not Roberto um but yeah he definitely like we definitely could have been given some more time with him we definitely could have um like we don't we don't know how he and Haley met 
We do. Um, do we? Yep. It, they met in a parking lot um, because she thought he was towing her car. And so he, she started screaming at him. And then they started talking. Oh, okay. That's a pretty uh, cute story. I'm sorry it, I missed it. Uh, it it's told, <laughs> um, it's told, he's telling it, it's actually a pretty funny gag. He's telling it to his relatives. The reason it's easy to miss is he tells it in Italian, and so it's only yeah. in the subtitles. And then he's telling it, and he's like, yeah, and, and suddenly this English woman is screaming at me in the parking lot, and she says, and it cuts to Haley seeing, um... Mark oh, enter. She says OF. Yeah, and that's where she says OF oh, me. And Roberto is like, nope, that's not what she said. Because one of his <laughs> Italian references is like, relatives is like, I speak English. Did she really yeah. say that? I, uh, that, okay. So that's where I checked back in. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So that, so we do get a little bit of their cute story. Um, but yeah, we definitely definitely could have used some more time with them as a couple to be like, oh, this is why she is going to all this death these desperate lengths to to not have what she you know to not bring up this um cheating that she did with mark you know like it, it yeah like we definitely well, could have used more of that and especially because we are given to under like as as far as we know about roberto we are given to understand that the cheating for him would be unforgivable which makes me feel so awful for him like if if that kind of thing is that important to him i feel like he deserves to know like that sucks that she's just not gonna deal with this mistake that she made or why she made it which is a whole other like can of worms that I feel needs to be addressed I think she does address that at least I I think she's pretty clear that like I was drinking I was stressed from wedding planning it was not you know I, I think she does address the circumstances that led to it and like there's a big jump from I am stressed about my wedding to whoops I fell on your dick. Like, yeah. Which I think Jack says. I think that's in fact his exact and I, I do sorry, part of why I am willing to let not let Haley off the hook, I'm not, but like I do think the movie does at least do a good amount of lip service, like as much lip service as like the bare minimum, because it does have Jack say some of these things of like what were you thinking? Yeah, like, how did you go from being drunk in a pub to being on his dick? Like, that's yeah. not... What? Um, so I, I think the movie does at least give Jack a little space to say those things that we as the audience are thinking. And again, this goes back to, I, I, I do think this movie in, in many places is way more charming than it has a right to be on the strength of its cast. And I think Eleanor Tomlinson's big, 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 like almost weeping eyes just like truly make me believe that this woman is like mortified that she did this and like would you know never under normal circumstances do that and like is so terrified to lose this man that she loves and and i i think that yeah 
I, I, I think we're at least given enough lip service from Jack, and I think that Eleanor Tomlinson's, like, just her body language about it convinced me enough to where I'm like, yeah, they should do more with that, but it didn't. I think they did just enough that I was like, okay. I'm glad it worked for you. Yeah. I mean, I I would have preferred them not to do that storyline. Uh, it was very... I especially remember the first time I watched it. I was like, wait, what now? Um, how are we supposed to root for her in any way, shape, or form? Um, well, and that was that was the thing because it was never meaningfully addressed in the ending that is supposed to be like the good one. I kind of found that I couldn't. Yeah, and I think just on the second rewatch, I did because that that first ending was so dire. I was like, all right, well, at least he's not falling off a balcony. Like, well, and I think that that's what it's supposed to do. Like, I think the, the purpose of that whole first um, situation is so that you will watch the second half and no matter what happens, go, well, at least Roberto's not dying off a balcony. Yeah. So I think at least on the second rewatch, I was like, okay, well, at least they paid some lip service. Um, and yes, I, I am deliberately using the phrase paid lip service rather than like actually address. Um, I was like, all right, at least they paid some lip service and like Roberto's not bloody on the cobblestone. <laughs> so, um, um, I would like to switch gears sure. for a moment and ask what your feelings about Eleanor's wedding dress are. I shockingly loved it. Like I don't, that's normally not necessarily a style I go for. Cause like the, cause they're, so for our listeners, um, there's almost like a mermaid cut underneath and then there's like an overlay on the back, um, that makes it more like a line. Um, and it actually really worked for me. I don't normally love like that kind of structure, but I wasn't crazy about the tool over skirt. The big thing that bugged me was when I realized how much illusion netting we were dealing with around the neckline because I thought the dress had a really beautiful sort of leaf or floral pattern strap and neckline. And then you find out that there's illusion netting like up to her collarbones. And I was like, you don't need all that. You really don't. No. Illusion netting, no. Like, yeah, they could have definitely I figure lost skated, that. I figure skated for way too long to ever be on the side of illusion netting. <laughs> Um, I'm guessing, like, is it just, like, basically, like, having a pantyhose on your chest? Like, is it just... Yeah, it's there for structural support, but I kind of thought that, for, for her dress in particular, I think it was there so that she could have the buttons up the back. Oh. Because I did not think, like, I thought, I didn't think that the front needed the netting to go up that high to support the straps. They looked pretty sturdy to me. Right. But I, I do think when she turned around and she had those beautiful pearl buttons that went all the way like up to the back of her neck, I think that's why the netting oh, was there. Oh, that makes sense. I did not notice that. Yep, that makes total sense. And uh, I will say that everything from her shoulders up was perfection. Oh, my God. Those <laughs> sleeves were amazing. Like the she detailings. 
Ooh. She is a beautiful woman. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, that too. And I also, I loved her hairdo. Mm-hmm. The veil was very good. Yep. Um, did not love Olivia Munn's dress. Oh, really? I, I actually loved that one. It was very, it was very appropriate to me. Like, I, I wasn't mad at her for wearing it. It just... I'm always a little jealous of people who can wear green because I can't. <laughs> I'm always jealous of people who, for whom wearing sleeveless dresses is not an ordeal. Or off-shoulder dresses, I should say. I would love to be able to wear off-shoulder dresses and not have to decide, do I want to have an off-shoulder dress or do I want to be in a lot of pain? Yeah. Um, strapless bras and I are not the best of friends exactly um, but i i both totally understood that sydney is the kind of guy who would wear a kilt and also truly hated that gag it it was unnecessary like come on man but also of course he would wear a kilt <laughs> i mean yeah it just, I, I would have liked them to have at least been like him to be like, yeah, my coworkers who I can't stop talking about, they talk about wearing kilts, so I decided oh, I needed one. Like, the movie does not even, like, try to give us a reason why he decided to wear a kilt other than just, eh. I go to Renaissance fairs and I was in the sci fi fantasy club when I was in high school. <laughs> like, I, I knew, I knew a Sydney. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and I guess for me, maybe just because I saw Sydney as such a, like, David Brent, like, Ricky Gervais, that I was like, that guy would wear a kilt? Like, I would think that guy would wear, like, be bragging about, like, his Rolex or something. Oh, uh, no, the kilt, the kilt was such a, like, I'm gonna make, I'm, it, it was a bid for attention, oh, I think, yeah. so that he could be the guy wearing a kilt. Oh, so he needed, like, a Tom Haverford moment. Do you remember that episode in um, Parks and Rec where Tom borrows Ron's hat and is like, I want to see if your hat can, like, help me chat up ladies? I do not remember that. Oh, and it's so great because the joke is he goes out there and, like, Donna even helps him come up with actually some pretty funny pickup lines. And they do not work. They fall flat. The women walk right past him, give him, as they should, stink faces. And then he brings it back to Ron, who is in his office. And immediately a woman ducks her head in and is like, that's an amazing hat. (laughs) Yeah, you feel like Sidney wore the kilt so that people would ask him about the kilt. And when no one did, he had to explain it. Right. Like, I would have at least liked to hear him be like, well, I thought, like, this would be a great conversation piece with the ladies, you know. He kind of does that when he's like, it's a traditional Scottish wear. I'm not Scottish. <laughs> like, you can feel it. And he's like, ask me. Ask me why I'm wearing uh, it. And then no one does. And he's like, crap. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I guess that was I'd... the energy I was getting from that. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I just, I needed them to take that just, like, a hair further for me to fully appreciate. I think, like, as we've talked about the first half of this movie, like, because so many of these jokes are just, like, cringy and relying on the caricatures, I just kind of was like, uh, alright. 
I did not want a second more of Sydney on my TV screen. Oh my god, he! I literally, I have to tell you, there were a few Sydney things that because I kind of remember what happened. I just forwarded through. I was like, I'm not watching the next sixty seconds of Sydney being terrible. No, it's awful. Um, plus or minus on the ending. I think it was a nice echo of the beginning. I didn't, especially on rewatch, I didn't necessarily love the narration. Um, oh, I could have, I could have stricken the voiceover from the entire movie. Yeah. I hated that. Like maybe put in one line when we were rewinding the um, table setting scene, but no, I, the narration, I was like, do we have to? Exactly. Like, I think they could have stricken the narration, but I did like the symmetry of the opening and ending scene um, of him, like, well, I think what we're supposed to gather, he has learned, is, like, seize the day. He's not going to let this somehow, for a second time, random stranger, a random (laughs) passerby in Rome who happens to know one of them... I Uh, thought that was hilarious. I did. Well, (laughs) and I say that, but, like, my parents, who are big travelers now that they're retired, they have stories like that. Like, Mm -hmm. it is wild to me how many times my parents have been like, oh, yeah, we ended up chatting with somebody on the plane. And, like, turns out, like, they knew so-and-so through so-and-so. And, like, yeah. So I know my parents have had this exact thing happen to them, but I still was a little, like, really. But uh, but that's all I'll say. I think it worked for, like, the symmetry of, you know, he, in the first half, is too, like, hesitant slash wants a free ride to the airport, presumably because he's a young, broke 20-something. Um, in the second half, he's like, nope, you F off right now. We are kissing. This is happening. Goodbye. Good day, sir. I will tell you, just related, I thought that Sam Claflin was great. I thought that Olivia Munn was great. I thought they had negative chemistry. Oh, none. Zero. Zilch. Nada. So through the whole movie, I'm like, like, I get why Sam Claflin is trying to, like, reconnect with her because she's beautiful Olivia Munn. But I was a little bit like, Olivia, w- what do you see in this man? I thought she <laughs> like, had more uh, more chemistry with the Italian actor than with him. Oh, the, the director? Oh, director, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, that, and maybe that's why I found her character, like, her character fell a bit flat for me. Maybe it was less to do with... Again, I, I think it's more like the writing of her character versus, like, we just... We, don't necessarily see that chemistry. Maybe we needed to see more of their initial hangout in Rome. Yeah, I would have loved to have seen them actually, like, connect with each other without this pressure of trying to, like, reestablish something. I think we missed out by not having, by not getting to see any of the development. Exactly. Because as it was, I was just like, why are either of you putting in this much effort? I don't understand. Exactly. Like, I did not buy that, like, 
she would have enough motivation to, like, really make an effort to want to talk to him. And, like, yeah, I think, I think this is where we needed a relationship development montage or, like, a couple cute moments from their first, from their initial weekend in Rome to make me believe, like, oh, yeah, these two are into, into each other. Like, they got something. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, I think... And I'm trying to think of, you know, if there are rom-coms where they start out... Well, Serendipity, I think, is the best example. Like, and I don't... I have not seen Serendipity for a long time, so I don't remember how it holds up. But structurally, you need that those first, like, however long of just um, John Cusack and Kate Beckinsale hanging out for you to believe they're going to spend all the painful time in the back half of that movie trying to get back to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I think we need a little of that. Uh, any final thoughts on Love Wedding Repeat? Um, I would just like to emphasize how much I loved Ashling B and how much she just, like, stole the show for me. I don't feel like I talked about that enough, but she was great. I want to see her in, like, everything. Yep, I thought she was lovely. I, she was, she was another character who I thought was almost intolerable in the first half, but by the second half, it's like, all right, I'm on board. And I think on the second, uh, like, on the rewatch, I was like, oh, yeah, you, okay, this is going to be great. Well, because watching it a second time, like, you knew what was up. Exactly. So she, so I I did get a little more out of her character in that first half, knowing where it was going, I will say. Uh, I will say I am um, impressed that you were willing to watch this one again. I don't know that I would want to spend the time revisiting it. (laughs) <laughs> that's fair to be fair I watched it like like the week after it came out so at this point that's almost a year ago fair Um, I also sorry I do also want to mention speaking of good performances in this movie because I think um, Jack Farthing is way better than he has a right to be as Mark Um, and what did I I just found out he is gonna he's got a big role oh he is gonna play Charles opposite Kristen Stewart's Diana Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm very interested. That movie is going to be so weird. Right? It's going to be wild. Uh, uh, yeah, any other final thoughts? Not from me. What would you recommend to our readers as a follow-up or companion piece to this one? Well, I would recommend, I think, the superior version of this like construction um and that is the 1998 classic sliding doors with gwyneth paltrow and john hannah um where gwyneth paltrow plays a woman who we see two timelines one if she misses a tube train um and the other if she gets on it and in the timeline where she gets on the train and gets home she finds her boyfriend cheating And it leads to all sorts of changes in her life. And the time she doesn't, she doesn't. And so we see what happens when she stays with her cheating boyfriend. Um, And the storylines, as opposed to this one, it is not one and then the other. The storylines are juxtaposed. 
um, helpfully kept track of with a haircut. Um, <laughs> but I think that, yeah, it's a delightful movie um, that goes kind of in places you don't expect. Um, and it is a, a movie I think think it's held up and still think of very fondly. Um, so yeah, Sliding Doors. I think a better meditation on the role of chance in our lives. Martha, what would you recommend? Uh, I'm going to recommend a YA novel that is also about somebody's sibling getting married and the struggle to keep control of the event while things are falling apart around you. Uh, I'm recommending Save the Date by Morgan Matson about Charlie, who is home to help her sister get married. Um, and while she is absolutely uh, dedicated to making sure that her sister has the perfect wedding and that everybody gets along and that the day is beautiful, every single thing that could possibly go wrong during the day does. Oh, no. Um, so it is about her trying to hold this uh, event together with sweat and grit and wedding cake frosting uh and is just morgan matson writes very charming uh rom-com-y type young adult stuff uh that is always good for um you know it's easy breezy reads and i enjoyed it quite a bit great yep that's about the level of literature i can deal with these days it's like all I'm watching are shark attack movies and all I'm reading are like fluffy rom-coms where everyone ends up together at the end. Oh, I think I have, I have listened to a couple nonfiction books. This is my new maxim for reading in the year of our not Lord 2021. I, um, do what we got to do. Yep. It's, I can listen to a nonfiction book as kind of like a podcasty thing, but if I'm reading it, it's a romance novel. There is... Nope. That's that's Um, what we got. Yep. Audiobooks are definitely, have always been my favorite way to consume uh, nonfiction books. It's just much easier for me to keep the information straight in my head if I'm being told it rather than reading it. I have just discovered that about myself this year. That is not something I had realized and I am now 100% sold. I'm glad. Next episode, we will be watching the Amazon Prime original, The Map of Tiny Perfect Things. I always want to call it The Island of Tiny Perfect Things. (laughs) Um, That is a 2021 Prime original, which we will be discussing in our next episode. Until then, if you uh, cannot get enough of our content, check out our sister show that drops on the same feed on Opposing Wednesdays called Did You Do Your Homework, which I host with Marin's husband, Pete. Um, Our most recent episodes have been our 100th episodes, uh, which we have been celebrating by just going totally hog wild and listing off our 100 best slash favorite pieces of pop culture. It is uh, truly an exercise in self-indulgence, but I've been making podcasts for 100 episodes, so I don't care. Uh, You can find me... Or you can find the show on social media at DYDYH Podcast on the feeds that we share with Did You Do Your Homework? Uh, And you can find me personally on the internet on all the places at Magical Martha. Uh, Marin, where can people find you? Um, Folks can find me at Twitter, where I pretty much exclusively tweet about romance novels and romance landia these days. 
um, at a underscore star underscore danced. Um, and if getting a summation of what's going on in Romance Landia Twitter is appealing to you, feel free to give me a follow. It is for me because I don't follow a whole lot of Romance Landia on Twitter, but I am fascinated by the drama that happens there. So, so much. You are, you are doing good work. Well, thank you, friend. <laughs> uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, it has been a pleasure. We will see you in a couple of weeks. And until then, just remember that we love you.